Hi, this is Pastor David Cooper. Thank you for joining my podcast. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you. I also want to ask you to share the podcast with others. Together, we can make an impact in people's lives as we introduce them to the Word of God. Thank you for your partnership and ministry of the Mount Perrin family and our outreach. I pray that the Word of God will be a blessing to you today. During this holiday season, I want to talk to you today about the Jesus question. I was in a store the other day, and they had several magazines at the checkout. I noticed one with a lead article on the front page, Who is Jesus? One of the most important questions we ask spiritually is, Who is Jesus? Why do we need Him in our lives? How is the message of Jesus different than other religions that we find in the world today? Several hundred years before Jesus was born, the Holy Spirit came upon the prophet Isaiah. He gave a prophecy of the coming Messiah. In the Old Testament, there are over 300 prophecies of the Messiah. This is one of the most powerful and profound of them all. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We discover, first of all, that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Wonderful is a word that stands all on its own. Jesus is wonderful. His grace is wonderful. His power is wonderful. His love is wonderful. Wonderful means to be filled with wonder and awe. There's a mystery about who Jesus is because he came as the Son of God in human form. The incarnation of Jesus is filled with wonder and mystery. John 1 verse 14 says of Jesus, the Word, speaking of Jesus, calling Him the Word, the Word became flesh and lived among us. We saw His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But Jesus is the wonderful Counselor. As a licensed therapist, this word stands out to me. I devote a lot of my life in studying counseling, preparing to help me as a minister, to be able to identify with people, to empathize with them, to help them through their struggles of life. We all need counsel in our lives. We need counsel from our parents when we're young, counsel from our close friends who love us and care about us. Sometimes we need pastoral counseling and even see somebody that can help us navigate our way through life. And here we find Jesus is the wonderful counselor. It's an amazing thought to realize that in the presence of the Lord through prayer, Jesus will speak to us and give us counsel. He also promised us that when we put our faith in him, he would give us the Holy Spirit of God. And that the Spirit of God, according to John 16, verse 8, will guide us into all truth. Romans 8 and 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. When you're facing a critical decision in your life, an important issue you're facing, you're not really sure which way to go, you can take time to just ask the Lord to speak to you. He may speak in your heart, may give you an idea, may give you a sense of peace about the right way to go. He may send a strategic person in your life 
that will share with you the exact information you need that will help you get through that issue. And Proverbs eleven fourteen reminds us that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We don't have to wander aimlessly through this life. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He has a plan for your life. He'll direct your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. And people today are looking for truth. They search through philosophy and religion. They search through atheism and agnosticism. They search through nihilism and a negative view of the world. They search through science, looking for spiritual answers. Jesus is the answer to all those questions you're asking. He's the counsel you need. He's the one that can show you how to live your life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And when you need counsel, what you're looking for is the way, the way to live, the way to go, the way to think, the right way to take. When you put your life in the hands of Jesus and trust him as your Savior, and you realize the Holy Spirit of God is with you, there's nothing you're facing that God can't give you direction for. There's no critical decision you're facing that if you'll take time to seek the Lord, he'll speak to you in a powerful way. If you're in a spiritual search today looking for answers, Jesus is that answer. He's the end of the search. He's the wonderful counselor. But then the prophet says something powerful. Jesus is the mighty God. Jesus is the Son of God. In the New Testament, he's called the Son of God 49 times. Jesus is more than a man, more than a teacher, more than a miracle worker. He is the Son of God who came to us in human form. He's the Word made flesh, as John the Apostle described him. He's the mighty God, the Son of God. It reminds us of the Old Testament name of God, El Shaddai, that is found so often in the Old Testament, El Shaddai. It's translated the almighty God, the all-powerful God. In Psalm 90, verse 2, we read that God is from everlasting to everlasting. He's the all-powerful God. Romans 3 and 20 says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or even think possible according to his power that is at work in you. Now, sometimes people say, well, we're like Jesus because we're followers of Jesus. Well, we are like him and we're learning to relate to others as Jesus did. We grow in the image of Jesus. But that doesn't mean we're equal to Jesus. There have been a lot of philosophers and religious leaders and great men and women who've graced the stage of human history. But they're not equal to Jesus. Jesus is not just another prophet among prophets or a teacher among teachers or an enlightened one like a Buddha. Jesus is the mighty God the Son of God who became man. The Son of God became the Son of man. And while God still works miracles, and we've all seen answers to prayer in our lives, we don't have the power Jesus had. We depend on his power. We seek his power. But his power was inherent in who he is as God. He's the all-powerful Son of God. That's why he could break the bread and multiply the loaves, and feed the multitude. 
That's why he could walk upon the water. That's why that he could drive out demons with a word. He had all power in heaven and on earth. He is the mighty God. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you're not just following a prophet or a teacher or a guru. You're looking to the Son of God as your Savior and your Lord. And this is why the early Christians confessed as we do, Jesus is Lord. And they gave us that as our fundamental confession of faith. Jesus is Lord. And by being Lord, he has all power. That's what a Lord does in a kingdom. He has all power over that kingdom. And that's why we confess him as Lord, not just Savior, not just teacher, but Lord. Because he said in Matthew 18 and 19, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. You see, we go in his power. He has all power in heaven and on earth. Not some of the power, not most of the power. He is the mighty God. And he's able to save, he's able to heal, he's able to keep us for all eternity. And whatever power you need, whatever grace you need, look to him. Jesus is not put in any other category of humanity. He stands above all as the transcendent, ever-living Christ. He is the Lord of all. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's why we confess Jesus the Lord. We're recognizing his all-powerful authority. But then the prophet Isaiah tells us that he is the everlasting father. What does this mean? Well, Jesus is the one who represents the father to us. We know that we see God reveal himself to us as father, son, and Holy Spirit. The mystery of God is a mystery beyond all of us, but God makes himself known in ways that we can understand him. And in the scriptures, we see that God reveals himself as the Father in his Son, in the presence and the power of his Holy Spirit with us. Jesus prayed to the Father. In fact, he taught us to pray in the great Lord's Prayer, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So Jesus comes to the world to help us understand that the clearest picture of God is your father. God is our creator. God's our sustainer. Some people look at God in negative terms. God is judge. J.B. Phillips wrote a book entitled, Your God is Too Small. It's a fascinating little book and worth reading when he describes these different false ideas people have about God, like the, the grand old man in the sky the Santa Claus that gives us whatever we want. He describes him as the policeman on the street that we're always afraid of and trying to avoid, that God's always looking out to catch us and arrest us. And he says, your God is too small. You have the wrong picture of God, a limited. And we pick up ideas of God from culture, from our upbringing. And Jesus breaks into all that. And he says, you need to understand that God is your father. I was fortunate to have a great father. I know many people don't have that opportunity. And sometimes God will bring a father into your life later on. It's difficult for some people to see God as father because of the negative experiences of their lives. But God is a father of compassion and comfort, it tells us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, God is a God 
of love. He's a God of hope. He's a father that loves us and cares for us. And for all of us who are fortunate enough to be parents and know what that amazing love is like that is born in us the moment a child is given to us, we understand a little bit of what it means for God to be father. I'm privileged to be a father, and there's nothing that can compare to the love I feel toward my children. It's a unique type of love. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for them. I'm willing to correct them and counsel them and guide them and set boundaries. But there's nothing that I wouldn't do to provide for them and to protect them. Jesus says you need to understand how much God loves you and cares for you. And don't see God through these religious terms and the world in which Jesus lived, as we've seen in ancient lands, and even some places around the world today, idols that are built, these false ideas of God. Ezekiel 14, 14 speaks of idols in the heart, even in advanced technological cultures. We say we don't build idols, but we really do, and there are idols in our hearts. There are false representations of who God is. But he says, God is your Father. And that's why Jesus came as the everlasting father to help us understand who God really is. The prodigal son, I think, is one of the most misunderstood parables of Jesus because we focus on the son. A father who had two sons and the younger one was more rebellious, free-spirited, kind of self-centered, impetuous and impulsive and Went to his father and said, I want my inheritance, but I want it now. He wasn't willing to wait. Then his father granted him his inheritance, and he went off. And the Bible says he went to a distant country, as far as he could get from home. He describes humanity when we run away from God. He spent everything he had. He had a big entourage with him, had a big posse traveling around with him out partying and living it up. Everybody thought he was the greatest because he's spending money on everybody. And then the money ran out. He eventually took a job tending pigs on a farm. And there he came to his senses, Jesus said, sitting in the middle of the mud with the pigs. He came to his senses. You know, none of our lives ever change until we come to our own senses and wake up to where we are. And he said, I'll arise and go to my father. And he prepared his speech and he said, I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like a hired servant. Sin does that to us. It diminishes our view of ourselves. He felt unworthy of his father's love. He had the false notion that his father's love was conditional on his performance. He falsely believed that his Dad loved him if he was obedient and cooperative and that his dad no longer loved him or cared about him, or at least not as much as he did before because of his foolish behavior. He went back to his father, humiliated, embarrassed over what he had done, to ask him for a job. He really thought that his dad thought less of him. And the Bible says when his father saw him coming down the road, his father ran out of the house and embraced him and kissed him. And he made that speech, but his father wouldn't hear anything of it. And he had a great feast for him, a great party. And he told everyone, my son who was dead is alive again. My son who was lost is found. His father wouldn't make him a servant. His father restored him to the full place of honor 
even though he had done all the wrong things. And even though we've all sinned against God, God loves us with that kind of love. And Jesus taught us that he is the everlasting father. And finally, Isaiah says Jesus is the prince of peace. And that's what all of us want, isn't it? Peace with God from our sins. Peace to cure us of our guilty conscience. Peace in our relationships. Peace in our hearts in a world of trouble and fear. Of all the things that Jesus left us when he was on this world and returned to heaven, peace was his greatest gift. In John 14, 27, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. During this beautiful holiday season, we remember today who Jesus is and what he means to us and what he teaches us. He's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. And during this holiday season, I'm praying for you and everyone here at Mount Perrin's praying for you that God will bless you and your family in a rich and powerful way. I encourage you to join us for services this weekend. It's New Year's. We have a New Year's Eve service, 11 o'clock on New Year's Eve. Be on campus and online and again on Sunday morning, New Year's Day. On Sunday, we'll also offer a wonderful holiday breakfast. Come early and come for worship at 11. Of course, we'll be online as well. Let me encourage you to make sure you get the Mount Perrin app today. Watch the services streaming on the Mount Perrin app. We have incredible holiday services available for you and your family. You can also watch them on the Mount Perrin site. And remember to share the ministry of the church and the services that we all enjoy with everyone you can. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining me today as we've shared together the Word of God. Let me ask you to download the Mount Perrin Church app today so that we can stay connected and you can see all the great services and resources available for you and your family. Follow me on social media and also the Mount Perrin Church family. I look forward to seeing you in church to worship on campus and online. God bless you. Have an incredible day.